my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Radio presents Podversations, a weekly discussion with the biggest names and influencers in podcasting. Want to learn the secret psych-up rituals Scrub star Zach Braff and Donald Faison use before every fake doctor's real friends taping? How Vice News parachutes into war zones to rescue journalists from life-threatening situations? Or why Keegan-Michael Key and Blumhouse believe 3D audio is the future of storytelling? Whether you're a newbie trying to break into the podcast game or an exec trying to refine your playbook, Podversations is the easiest way to keep your pulse on the industry. Thank you so much for hanging out with us for another session of the iHeartRadio podcast network speaker series. This is the coolest part of the week for me. I get to take a 30 minute break and sort of stop down and talk to the creators who drive our podcast network. The iHeart Podcasts consists of hundreds of shows and they cross multiple, multiple genres. We have almost 50 podcasts individually that drive a million monthly downloads. The point being that it's there's a lot of breadth and depth to our category. We're really proud of that. But there are a handful of shows that make up the bedrock of our content. And a lot of those have, uh, not coincidentally, the word stuff in the title. They come from a company that iHeart acquired a few years ago called Stuff Media. And those were shows like Stuff You Should Know, Stuff You Missed in History Class, Stuff Mom Never Told You, Brain Stuff, and as pertains to the hosts that are joining me today, Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. So I want to welcome, first of all, 
dear friends of mine, old colleagues of mine. We have been working together a long time. Ben Bolin, Noel Brown, Matt Frederick. Guys, thank you so much for hanging out today. Dude, thanks for having us, man. Our pleasure. Pleasure to it be here. It has been a long strange road right since we've yeah. been at this podcast thing and we've had you know pretty incredible shockingly incredible guests on this webinar series that we've been doing from malcolm gladwell to martha stewart to charlemagne the god but i haven't worked with any of those guys as long as i've been working with you guys and i've been working with you guys before we were working in podcasting so let me start with you ben and i'll jump ahead a little bit and be like one of the most interesting things for me is like you guys all come from different mediums. We all come from different mediums in podcasting, I guess, period, because we were all doing other stuff before this was even a medium. But Ben, what were you doing before you got into podcasting, let alone stuff they don't want you to know? And we'll get deep into what this show is later. But just you personally, where'd you come from? Let's see. Yeah, I did once. It's hard to remember. I did once have a job that was not related to podcasting. I studied extensively and I was I was on an academic track so I spent some time in Central America I got back and I found a very odd internship position and I shot my shot at it this is way before we even knew podcasts were a thing as you remember and my job was to write all the tiny descriptions that we would have on these thousands and thousands of videos, you know? So I became intimately acquainted with things like Honey Boo Boo, things like various discovery documentaries at the time. And then I heard this crazy plan. We were going to do something in the audio space. And uh, I think it's safe to say none of us knew how far we would go with it. Yeah, I certainly didn't. So we, this was back in the days when we were the four of us working on a thing called HowStuffWorks.com. And at the time we were inside a much bigger company called Discovery Communications, which owned TLC for which you were writing, it sounds crazy to say this out loud, <laughs> as kind of meta descriptions on videos. And so, yes, it's been, it's been a while since that, but that's an interesting place to come from. Matt, what about you? What did you do before this? Well, in a world, the same world that we're speaking of right here, we had a ton of video content from Discovery Communications. And I was a videographer and editor, and I was tasked with putting together a bunch of that footage into something new and compelling. Like, what is this new IP we can generate with all this cool stuff that we've got in the can? And Ben and I at the time, we were a little weird. We like to get weird with it. And we came up with this concept of like a show about unsolved mysteries and conspiracies and all the things that are on the edges that we want to learn about. And um, that's how we started. And Connell, you actually came in. I, I don't know if everybody knows this. I'm sure nobody knows this. Ben and I made a demo and we showed it to you and a couple other key people. And you're like, yeah, I, I see where you're going with this. I, I like what you're doing. I like, like everything I'm seeing here, but check this out. You went into the sound booth, Connell, and you were like, make it sound like this way down here. <laughs> and we were like, okay, let's try it. And we were off to the races. <laughs> Single greatest note I've ever given a creator ever. So Noel, where did you come from? And I don't want you to leave out the part of like one, maybe both parents were opera singers. Yeah. Yeah. My mom was a pretty successful opera singer. She sang at like the Met in New York for about 10 years. My dad was admittedly less successful, but they met in the opera and I grew up kind of traveling around, hanging out in dressing rooms and, you know, watching them perform. So that was kind of cool. And I yeah, grew up playing violin and playing music. And then I got into college for music 
but decided against it because I didn't want it to like suck the joy out of music for me. So now I make music like for myself. And I also make little themes here and there. Some of our classic stuff shows still have themes that I've made years ago, but I studied broadcast journalism. It ended up working at public radio as an intern and then gradually kind of got promoted to a full-time reporter where I did like, you know, public radio packages that you might hear on NPR. And then an old buddy of mine, who was at the time, I believe your kind of contemporary, a student named Barry, had a job as an executive producer at Discovery. And he needed someone to like edit all the podcasts, which was a new initiative that we were doing essentially. Or actually, I think it was a carryover from like some of the earliest days of How Stuff Works, where some of the editors became podcasters under your guidance. And then we were kind of more in the YouTube world at the time, but still had to keep the podcast rolling. So a lot of those folks that were editing the podcast needed to move over to video. So I got hired to basically single-handedly edit and produce every How Stuff Works podcast, except Stuff You Should Know, which the magical Jerry Rowland is the producer of and remains so to this day. So I kind of, you know, jumped right in to podcasting and then gradually joined uh, these guys because Matt's wife had a baby and he was away for a while and they asked me to step in and kind of, you know, keep the seat warm while he was away. And then he came back and they're like, you know what? You should just stay. That'd be cool. So rather than asking for permission, they just waited to ask for forgiveness and no one ever <laughs> required forgiveness. So I'm grateful to this day that that's how they brought me in. This thing has become a juggernaut, right? It's one of the biggest podcasts in the world. I'm not sure if this is a technical category or not. It's certainly the biggest conspiracy podcast, I guess you'd call it, but it's, it doesn't really give it a fair shake, and we'll get into why uh, calling it that or only that. But Ben, where did the idea come from? Uh, so st stuff they don't want you to know. I'll sort of set the table a little bit on the exact show here, right? So you've been making this thing over 10 years-ish, drives millions of downloads a month now. One of the biggest podcasts we have in a slate at iHeart Podcast of almost a thousand shows here. But way back, Colonel, the idea, what sparked this? Where did mm. it come from? Yeah. So as Matt said, we had some of the same DNA growing up. You know, Rod Serling was our hero, Twilight Zone, X-Files. Also the importance of philosophy, the importance of critical thinking. I feel like I can say this now, Connell. We thought we were going to get fired. We thought, <laughs> we thought we had like maybe a run of of a couple months before somebody noticed what we were up to. And I know you <laughs> saw us sneaking around sometimes with props, sometimes with costumes. I still have a life-size plastic skeleton in my home studio here. Every day we show up, I still see you guys on Zoom and I'm like, oh, it's costume day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we saw this opportunity to explore things. We took the idea of how stuff works, which you put it this way once years ago, the notion that the world is both understandable and worth understanding. And we said, okay, let's apply that to all the spooky stuff just off the edge of the map. And instead of being alarmist, instead of being like an Alex Jones, if I could say that, we decided we would take everything and we take the how stuff works approach. We would take complex or perhaps controversial ideas, and we would break them down to their components. We would explore the bones of these things. And we had no idea what the, the current, like the past four years were going to be like, but I think, it, I don't want to say it was a happy accident, but it's a hell of a time to have a conspiracy show. Yeah, it really is. And so when you discuss conspiracy shows, what you guys, I think, have sort of coined conspiracy realism, which I'm going to mangle this, but I've heard you guys describe this as, you know, some of the most shocking, interesting, provocative conspiracies are the ones that actually turn out to be true. And a lot of them are. I would imagine in the last two, three, 
four years that doing a show like this becomes easier in a lot of ways because conspiracy and stuff like that is everywhere all of a sudden, I think, but also a lot harder because you're walking a very fine line of misinformation and fake news and these new terms that have come across the radar. Matt, in the last two, three years, has it been scary sometimes to do this show where you're sort of like, oh, what am I doing here? I got to be really careful now because I might step into the places that I actually want to make bet. I don't know. How does that, how do you process it? For me personally, there's some nerves that go into it and there always has been because what we try and do is give everybody and their beliefs a fair shot. Now, like never just immediately discount anyone or what they believe and try and take everything, you know, into account, then look at the history, look at the science, compare what those beliefs are to that stuff that we can prove. And when the virus came around, when some of the election stuff was happening, it's tough to even discuss without getting an audience really angry at with, at you. Like 50% of the audience is probably going to be angry with you. So what, what you have to do is just, and I think it's what we do successfully, give everything a shot. Talk about why we think it's maybe wrong or right. And just have that discussion, you know, in the moment and just, and never talk down to anybody. That's the whole point of the show, I would say. Well, it's also like politics aside, some of these things it's hard not to take a stance on. Like it's really, really difficult to be completely agnostic about a fascist president, for example. I mean, I'm not, again, mm -hmm. not trying to be divisive here, but you really do end up in a situation where no, we don't want to alienate, alienate part of our audience, but also what is the right thing to do? Yeah. And like, can we dance around this indefinitely for the rest of our lives? And the answer is no, but we also do have to walk that tightrope a little bit. Well, you just reach out to that person that maybe disagrees with the thing that we agree with mm -hmm. in a way that is just human, right? Yes. Like we're not saying it's, it's okay that you necessarily believe that, but we see that you don't believe that and we're not going to treat you like a bad person because you method. differ. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. 
So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Ben, have there been those kinds of interactions with fans or super fans where you may violently disagree with the kind of stuff they're coming at you with, but you also are a little more, I don't know, open-hearted than the average podcast host because that's the philosophy of the show at the end of the day is to at least listen for at least a second. <laughs> yeah, we always say that the most important part of our show, the best part of it is the audience. And I get a lot of weird emails, man. I'm just going to be honest with you. We all get a lot of weird emails because of this show. For years, I had this very polite guy of means somewhere in the Middle East uh, who would write me these beautifully constructed letters and emails asking me to confirm the theory that Europeans were created by a mad scientist out of mud 5,000 years ago. Very, again, I cannot emphasize this enough. Very nice guy. Little out there. I think YouTube was really instructive for us because YouTube comments are a minefield. And what we found is, and Matt put this very well earlier, what we found is that those folks think they're speaking into a void sometimes. And when you take the time to contact them, to reply, to acknowledge their viewpoint or their existence, then you can build a rapport and you can start asking questions. And sometimes we've talked people off of some dangerous ledges. That's not because we're necessarily astonishing, you know, Professor X types or something. It's because we prize the human moment and we want to listen. And if we disagree, then we keep the conversation very fact-based and we say, well, prove us wrong. It's simply put, but it's kind of amazing where if you just sort of listen, you may be able to bridge a gap with another person and maybe even get them around a different idea. I'm going to ask you guys in a couple minutes what your favorite episode ever is, which is really just an excuse to ask you sort of like what conspiracy or subject matter has really, really struck you and talk to us a little bit about it. I really want people listening and watching to have a sense of the show because it's really kind of a mind-blowing show every single multiple times a week. But before we do that, so you're thinking about it in your heads, back to you for a second, Matt. The show started out as a 
video series. Then it evolved into almost only an audio podcast mm -hmm. for a while. And now it's kind of back to having a companion video series that updates every now and then on a pretty big YouTube channel you guys have, as well as it being a podcast feed. And not to sort of dwell on this too much, but like, that's interesting to me, this flowing back and forth of different mediums, starting out with video and then also over into just audio and now a little bit back to video. Is there a difference in your head of like which one you think you came up as a video guy primarily, but which one do you feel most comfortable in? Why? What's the differences between them? I mean, I feel the most comfortable having a conversation with these guys after we've, you know, researched something. And it's not because it's easy necessarily. Sometimes it's harder to have an hour long conversation about something that's a little more out there that we're maybe putting the pieces together in a way that in the moment feels a little strange until you listen back to the conversation. And you realize, oh my gosh, yeah, this whole thing makes sense. With video, it's so constructed, right? It was a script from Ben. Ben's got his voiceover. Then I get to be creative with the overlays and how that image is commenting on what Ben is saying. There's something special to that. And you know, hopefully one day we get back to doing that in some way, somebody's doing it probably won't be me. I don't know, have time anymore to stay up till one o'clock at the office finishing videos. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's all good. But for now, just having this kind of conversation as many times as we do during the week, I think we record four, sometimes five times every week, man, it's fulfilling personally, as well as just when we're, we're watching the podcast perform and grow. There's something to it that just gets me here. And there's something that happens too, like over time, just like having a conversation every day, sometimes with the same, you know, friends, this rhythm kind of, you know, um, gets generated and we all sort of, you know, have our parts to play. I think we all have different backgrounds and different sort of interests, but at the end of the day, we all kind of come together like a podcast Voltron-y type situation and sort of complete each other, Jerry Maguire style. But it's, it's very fulfilling in that way because I, I agree with you, Matt. Sometimes in the moment, it's like, oh, were we just rambling or did we really even get where we wanted to get? And then when we listen back to it, kind of separated from it in a different context, it's like we're listening to other people have a conversation because we do so many of these, we almost forget sometimes. That it's like, oh no, those are very salient points and we actually did get there pretty much every time. So it's, it's very fulfilling. That's what it is. It's one giant conversation we're having and it's yeah. just it's there's no breaks in it basically so we pick right back up and if you're a listener and you jump onto that wave that series of waves essentially you'll find that people jump in like uh, last month and then they'll go all the way back to 2013 and listen and then like make their way forward and like do it in tandem it's really cool we spent a lot of time world building sort yeah. of generating a universe yeah. and a mythos and um i think Along the way, the three of us discovered that one, the audience is the most important part of any show, but two, and this is kind of counterintuitive for people outside the space, the most important skill in podcasting uh, on the host side is not necessarily speaking. It's the ability to listen both mm -hmm. to your team members and to your audience. So we spend a lot of time listening to each other. It's kind of weird that we still hang out outside of work, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it is just one very long conversation. Because we have built this world over time, we like to think that people end up jumping in at a random moment and then, as Matt said, going backwards. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. 
Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. Is it weird to have fans, Ben? I don't know that, uh, not to make it doubly weird, but I mean, you, you guys started out as writers, producers, not to put it this way, but sort of behind the scenes folks. Whether it was publishing an article on HowStuffWorks.com or producing a video that you then upload to a YouTube channel that was sort of faceless. And now you are very much podcast hosts, talent, creators. And Ben, is that such a slow transition that it never really alarmed you? Or was it like, no, it's definitely weird to have fans. Like, where, where do you fall? Oh, yeah. I would say to some degree, the three of us all have like a, not an aversion to the spotlight. I come from a sketch comedy background, doing a lot of live shows that were in theory 
funny. And so I, I know this stuff doesn't always work out. But one thing I love about our listener base is there have been times when I've looked at Matt and Nolan, I thought, I don't know if we should call, or we call these people fans, or are they just people who are kind of, watching us and, uh, <laughs> and and waiting, you know, till we say the thing they don't like. But right. yeah, our fans hold us accountable. And I, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's weird. The proper term is parasocial relationship. It is a real thing when you feel that you identify so hard with, say, one of the actors in Squid Game. And now you feel like you know that person. This spiked during the pandemic. And I think all three of us have people who approached us through the show that ended up being our actual friends, which to yep. me is more important than a fan. We're not playing characters either on the show. Like we are very much what you see is what you get. If you hang out with us at the bar, you're going to get the same version of us for the most part as you do on the show. And so I think that's largely why some of these relationships have turned into friendships uh, over the years. And now we also have a component where every week we do a listener mail generated episode. So when we do one of these or we do like maybe a little mini version of it in the listener mail episode, and then it turns into a full episode, you know, maybe a few weeks later, there's appreciation there, there's recognition. And we also are very grateful and make it very clear who sent us the idea and we read their letter and all of that. So there really is kind of a quid pro quo kind of, you know, back and forth mutual appreciation between us and, and our quote unquote fans who oftentimes become, you know, true friends. Yeah. I mean, I, I sort of witnessed this firsthand. I can back this up. When we started these stuff shows a long time ago, I do think a lot of the reason these became hits every Every single one of them was because you guys, all the stuff hosts were really good about how they treated their fan bases, their listeners, their, their friends, whatever the right word is, just building it like they were humans as opposed to just an audience, whatever that word means sometimes. After this, Connell, I'm doing voicemails. We, we have a voicemail inbox for stuff they don't want you to know. Uh, and yeah. we go through and listen to those. And I'm going to probably call back 10 people just randomly across the world from Australia to California to Georgia. And just have a quick conversation, jot it down, talk about what we talked about, or write what we talked about. And that's just what we do. We do that kind of thing through email, through, you know, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram all day long. That is awesome. All right. Let's do a quick round here on favorite episodes ever, favorite subject matters, whatever. Two to three minutes each and, you know, blow our minds or, or maybe no, maybe it's an obvious one that we missed. I'll Ooh. start with Ben. Go for it. Okay. So this is tough. You know, all our babies are the, the favorite, right? There's one we did a little while back that still is on my mind. We called it Cheese Spiracy or the Big Cheese. And it is a genuine conspiracy proven to increase the U.S. consumption of cheese. And it's a problem that dates back to like the Great Depression. It's a problem that continue. like, what are we going to do with all this milk, right? And in that episode, we clearly trace what happened. We trace the trade organization, the quasi-private, quasi-public organization that infiltrated places like Taco Bell and other, imagine any fast food, and would sit there in the room, in the meeting rooms and say, you know what we should do? We should add more cheese to this thing. And it worked. They made <laughs> billions of dollars. That's a fun one. Wow. So that's that's a way to show, you know, it's not always something dark and depressing and harrowing. Equally weird, though. Equally, Equally weird. weird. All right, Noel, what would you pick? 
Yeah, I think one that stands out for me because it's a dude that we've been covering, you know, just in kind of fits and starts throughout the time I've been on this show uh, is John McAfee. So many people know the name McAfee because it's that annoying antivirus software that comes pre-installed on your computer and log jams all your stuff and makes it where your computer's kind of useless. Uh, it sort of became like an in-joke of like the idea of this thing somehow doing some positive thing for your computer because it ultimately just always inevitably slowed everyone's computers down. But then there was a time where I was like, there were these videos of this crazy coked up dude, you know, waving guns around and like, you know, talking about, uh, you know, starting a guerrilla coup, like in, you know, South America. And I was like, this must be some like college humor thing. Because of course the guy who founded McAfee would be a total square, like a total drip computer nerd guy. But no, it turns out this was the real John McAfee, who is this absolute bonkers madman, you know, Hunter S. Thompson in the jungle type figure. And recently he died under very, very mysterious circumstances, very closely resembling some other suspicious deaths, let's say, suspicious suicides. And, you know, he claimed very openly that he would never take his own life, that if he disappeared, then it was, you know, these people that were out to get him and then he would have this like, you know, dead hand kind of mechanism that would, you know, tip off all of these agencies and, you know, create global chaos. And we're starting to see little things happening, you know, in the world of crypto, in the world of, you know, fake news and all of this kind of stuff that we think might be related to John McAfee's, you know, dead hand, posthumous triggering of, you know, leaked, leaking of documents and things like that. So it's something that I think even after this, this man's death is going to continue to be fascinating and bizarre. Wow. To watch. I'm fascinated and don't feel good. Matt, what about you? <laughs> what about you? We've been doing this for so long. I love that you can go through our feed and you can go to 2013 and hear an episode about Julian Assange. Mm -hmm. And then as you go through the years, you can hear updates that we give about somebody like that. And you can do that with a lot of other characters, a lot of other topics like the JFK assassination. We're about to do some more on that. You can just follow how as new information comes, we've got a new episode episode on something like that. To me, the ability to always add something new as the world, as researchers, as the archivist allows more information out, we can give that to everybody along with sleep paralysis and shadow people. That is probably up there with one of my most scariest topics that I'm into. Like, I love it. Shadow people? Yeah. That Just in a paragraph, what are we talking about? Some people who experience certain parasomnia like sleep paralysis where you're kind of asleep but you're kind of awake your body is paralyzed as it does every time you go to sleep but your mind is awake and you believe you can see your surroundings and you may still be asleep and you're just aware of the room that you're in but you see shadow people sometimes energy beings that exist in the room with you and are a lot of times nefarious there's a guy with a hat that looks a lot like Ben Bolin in the intro to the video series of stuff they don't want you to know. Wow. <laughs> no, so, it's a, it's a weirdly common experience too. I think that's the thing yes, that's so yeah. uh, troubling about it is that people tend to see the same things oh, when they're wow, in these uh, these sleep paralysis states. We'll pretend like that's a coincidence. That episode is a wild ride. That is amazing. So I really hope that like, even though the ha last half hour has just given us a teeny tiny taste that anybody listening, watching takes a break this week and subscribes to stuff they don't want you to know. This is a killer, killer podcast. And I hope in the last half hour, if, if we've done anything, it's to show that it's fun. Yes, it's 
sort of scintillating and creepy in all the right, fun, entertaining ways. But I think it's also kind of a, an important show these days, maybe just because of the world we're living in with misinformation and where conspiracy theories overlap with very real stuff. But beyond any of that, I just deeply appreciate your guys' friendship, being a colleague this many years. It's been a long ride. Podcasting has officially exploded. We've got 120 million Americans a month now listening to podcasts. And to be doing this for 10, 15 years like you guys have, I mean, you're legends in the newest, biggest medium to hit mass reach audiences. So Matt, Ben, Noel, thank you guys. Cheers, hey, Connell. Thank Thanks. You. That's yeah, weird to think about, Connell. Yeah, Appreciate it. That. Couldn't have done it without you, and that's <laughs> an absolute truth. Yeah, we're, we still have to do some emails later. <laughs> <laughs> and that deserves its own episode. Everybody listening, everybody watching, I'm Connell Byrne. I'm the CEO of the, uh, the iHeartMedia Digital Audio Group. Thank you so much for hanging out. We will be back next week with more awesome conversations from the podcast universe and from iHeart Podcasts. Everybody stay well. Be good. We'll see you in a week. Conversations is a production of iHeartRadio. You can find more from the biggest names in podcasting on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.